How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Sean and Matt Show. My name is Matt, that is Sean, and welcome to our show. Sean, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about D.C. area home sales that are falling through. There's a lot of them, double digits. We're going to be talking about a city in a certain state that has a lot of Airbnbs that that city will actually pay for your rental. Instead of you putting it on Airbnb, they will pay for it if you house a city worker. Did mm-hmm. I explain that? Yeah, they'll pay, okay. they'll subsidize basically, they will right? subsidize. Yeah. So a city worker can live at your Airbnb and they will give you a pretty uh, hefty subsidy, uh, depending on how you look at it. And speaking of hefty subsidies and, and money, we're also gonna be t- taking a look at a New York City broker fee that topped $20,000, not for a sale, but for a rental. $20,000 for a rental. And oh, by the way, the monthly rent was less than $2,000. Insane. So with that being said, let's, let's do it. start with an article from WTOP News right here in the nation's capital. How many DC home sales are falling through? Redfin reports, if I could talk, uh, that 12% of homes in the month of July fell through. 12% of homes went under contract, and then the buyer backed out. Now, this could be for a variety of reasons, as the article goes on to mention, Sean. Are you seeing this with your buyers, with your sellers? Do buyers have a little more leverage? Um, Are you seeing this in the field? Yes, uh, it is happening. And my buyers recently have not done this, thankfully. Um, But we're seeing it, and I've seen it twice on one listing recently. Uh, and there's a multitude of reasons of why this is happening. And should we go into that now? Yeah, we, okay, so number one, uh, and what this article talks about is your interest rates. The buyers were approved and they could have been approved for uh, 90 days ago, right? So uh, usually a pre-approval is good for 90 days. Well, during that 90 day period, a lot of those that interest rate has gone up immensely. And that payment has gone up like we've done, we've said before, a couple hundred dollars a month based on you know, certain, certain homes. Uh, so if they were looking at a certain price point and now that interest rate is, is 1% higher, they could maybe not be pre-qualified anymore. And so this is what I've been telling my buyers is like, listen, you need to go call your lender again. Just because you have a pre-approval, we need to know based on today's uh, today's rates because you might not be qualified for that same amount anymore. Well, think about that new construction buyer that maybe went under contract six months ago or Holy a year ago. That's you know, such in, a good in point. In January, mortgage rates 325, 3.25. Now they're around 5.13. So it's almost 2%. That's that's not nothing when you're uh, looking at a you know a payment of three, four, five, six thousand dollars a month. It's huge. And th- that's so funny that you say that because back in 2014 when I bought my my house that I've already sold, I was actually looking at new construction at the time and I wrote a contract and I ended up just yanking it the first Balsam day. Townhouse. And it was a Balsam townhouse that I was gonna buy. But the thing back then is I was worried about those interest rates. In 2014, I was worried about the interest rates going up. And so I was like, man, I don't know what's gonna happen over the next six to eight months before this thing is delivered. And so I was calling the lender and I was like, listen, what, what can we do here and trying to figure it out. And thankfully those, I didn't end up purchasing that, but that was my fear, right? Because if it goes up, man, that's a huge, huge uh, 
you know, dig into your into your pocket. Do you ever look back um, at what your life could have been if you were if you had bought a Boston townhouse as compared to a Lake Barcroft home? All the time. Um, and at first, I was like, man, and I probably would have been better off uh, by buying the Boston townhouse as far as values go. What were they then in 2014, and what could you have sold it for? I was going to buy that um, that townhouse for nine low nines and I could have sold it for like around 1.1, but I wouldn't have had to put any money into it. What do you mean? You wouldn't have to put any money? So my Lake Barcroft house. Oh, in terms of like, oh, the roof, this. and So I bought the Lake Barcroft house for 800, a little under 800, and I sold it for 950. Um, But in the end, I think I would have been better off buying that. But it was quality life. It was what I wanted at the time. You can't kayak to anybody's water. I could have the Boston Beaver Pond. No one's kayaking in that thing. That's right. And that has changed a lot, by the way. We have to. Drive by 66, it's changed quite a bit. Yeah. I don't think it's called the Boston Beaver Pond. I think there's like names out for it. Yeah. Oh, there is. There was actually one that was pretty funny. I got to bring that up at some point. Pond McPond face. (laughs) I can't remember. It was so good, but we'll, we'll revisit that. Um, but yeah, so interest rates is number one. That's how uh, these contracts are falling through. Number two, home inspections, right? So uh, before, there were no home inspections in that hot, crazy market, right? No one was doing a home inspection, and if you were, you were doing it pre, pre-inspection, you were saying, oh, I don't care that the HVAC system is about to die, I'm taking this house anyways. Now things have changed, we do the home inspection. After we go under contract, and guess who's scared in their pants now, the sellers. Sellers are like, man, I hope they're not going to ask us for a ton of money. I just, I hope so, right? I hope not. And they are, right? And, and buyers are saying, you know what? I have the upper hand now, so I will ask for what I feel is fair, right? And if there is an HVAC problem, then hey, I know that that expense is going to be about 7,000 bucks in the future. I'm going to ask for something, right? And so what's happening there is a lot of these people are just saying, well, I can go down the street and buy this one if I, if I want to. So I'm not really wed to this. Uh, let's go after and let's throw a dollar figure out there and see if we can get them to do it. As they should, because right. if you as a seller, as a homeowner, haven't picked up a screwdriver in the five to 10 years that you've owned this place, well, that's going to come back to bite you when it comes time for the home inspection. And, you know, we're looking at these these HVAC, you know, air filters and my God, they're disgusting. Yeah. And, you know, people are walking around wearing masks and then they're breathing in the, the, the junk that's in their air, air filter that they haven't cleaned out in, in five years. Hey guys, hey renters, hey buyer or sellers or owners, there's a filter in your HVAC system. You gotta change that every three, three months, they say, right? I know though there, there's renters out there that don't even know it's there, right? Even though you show them and they're not gonna change it. Um, even owners, right? And and that's the thing is, like, I had a renter laugh in my face one time when I was like, "Yeah, you need to change the filter." Like, showed it. They were like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that." Yeah. Well, guess what? It's in your rental contract. You have to take care of that house like it's it's your own. You know, if you don't deliver it and you have, they can prove that you have done malice to that property by not changing that. It's coming on you. So be careful and know that you've got to change that. But and and that brings up another point. There are so many owners out there that. Just feel like, hey, I could just sell my property the way it is. Yes, I haven't done anything to it in 10 years. You got to do something. You have to maintain it. This is a maintain. Yeah, it's like your car, right? You need to change the oil or the the, the engine's going to blow. You need to wash it or else the paint's going to peel, right? So, I mean, like, maintain it. You have to do things every year to these properties. Um, And then, you know, cold feet. We've talked about cold feet before. And buyers are doing it, especially if they're buying something in an HOA or a, a condo. 
they have a three-day right of rescission. There's a lot of parents, a lot of people getting into these contracts that are saying, I don't know if you made the right choice. Oh, the market's falling, ah, 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 right? And it's psychologically a big deal for these people and they start falling out of love with the properties and they back out. You gotta be really careful on who you're taking advice from because if you take advice from lots and lots of people, you're gonna be getting so many different answers and yeah. you're gonna be getting advice from renters, you're gonna be getting advice from homeowners, from people that have had good experiences, bad experience, and people who have no idea what they're talking about. So it's almost like take as little advice as possible, but do it in a manner that you're only taking advice from people that you know have been in that exact scenario before. Yeah, I mean, don't take advice from somebody from Boise, Idaho that's buying, then you're buying in Arlington, Virginia. It's a totally different market. Um, take all advice with a grain of salt and make sure that you go with your gut, right? Go with your gut and, and know that you really love the place and you want it and this is a great investment for you and for your future. A few other quick notes on the article. There were 21% fewer home showings that went on in the DC area market in July of this year compared to last year. And there were 24% more homes listed for sale. So that equation, if you will, combined with a slower market, more buyers falling out, it all starts to make sense. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a lot lower showings, like they said, 21% lower showings and higher, higher inventory. So that breeds the whole thing. Let's move on to our next article. This comes for, to us from entrepreneur.com. The city of Sedona is paying Airbnb landlords stipends if they offer housing to local workers. If you want to rent your Sedona home to a local worker, the city will give you a stipend up to $10,000, Sean, $10,000. Sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, um, so this is, and I've thought about this so many times uh, in different markets. There are markets where there are a lot of seasonal rentals. So the Airbnb or that, that uh, weekly rental is huge. That's where they're making all their money. But what happens is these, local workers can't find anything. And believe me, I've done it, I've talked about this story before in Ocean City where I lived down there and I lived in this little crappy place. I'm like, why is this guy renting it to us? You know, I think it was $4,500 all, all summer when he could be making, you know, X per, per month. But, um, you know, in the end, there's gotta be some housing for these people that is affordable. And so what the city is doing is saying, all right, well, if you, Matt, he's a, he's a good bartender, uh, he's been working in the city and he needs a place to live. If you, Airbnb landlord, will rent this to him at, you know, whatever, we'll make up some of that difference for you and make it and give you $1,000 per month or like uh, maybe not that, $10,000 max. So maybe $500 a month to make up the difference for that Airbnb uh, money that you might, might be making. Um, and in Sedona, when you look at it, I think it was how many percent? Uh, it was like 12 to 15%. 15%, this is in Arizona for- Yes, Sedona, Arizona, score, no. so. 15% of the housing in Sedona is Airbnb type properties. These are vacation rental properties. So um, then you think about all the people that own, that aren't renting, whatever, and then just the normal rentals. So, it really cuts in to the values and it cuts into what's available. So I think this is a cool idea. I mean, it's, it's a, because if I, if I owned one, I'd be like, well, I'm not gonna rent it to somebody. I wanna make as much money as possible. But this might be uh, more of a st stable environment, right? So you get a yearly rental 
and you get some sort of stipend from the government, then all right, eh, maybe it makes sense. We did a, a show a few months ago about Colorado. I, I'm blanking on the name, but insert vacation town in Colorado where same sort of deal. It was an expose on, on the bartender that everyone loved in the city that lived in, in the van down by the river just mm -hmm. because the city was so popular and Airbnb was so popular that he had no place to live. And, and that's what ended up happening. And so, um, you know, NBC 12 News reports that you can get up to 10000 a month for a three-bedroom house and 3000 a month for a one-bedroom house to rent to a person who has worked at a business in Sedona. Now, Sean, I mean, I looked at the Sedona houses very briefly on Airbnb. They are fantastic properties, but clearly someone who's in the service industry is not going to be able to afford, you know, these properties where an investor will buy it up, um, put some money into it, and then rent it on Airbnb for hundreds of dollars per night. And I'm thinking $10,000 for a three bedroom house, probably on the very, very low end of what someone could be making, even if they're at like 70 to 60% occupancy and you're renting something out for, you know, $400 a night, you know, I'm not, I, you do quick math on 400 a night times, you know, 20, uh, 20 days, you know, maybe, maybe we're getting up to, to 10,000, but um, I love the idea of this. I, I'd be curious to see if homeowners actually um, take the city up on it. Yeah, and keep in mind there's there's only so much the, the city has. So they have $240,000 set aside at this point to pay these uh, these rentals, uh, the difference, right? And but what do you do if you are a city? Like you can either build more housing that's more affordable or you can outlaw Airbnbs. You outlaw Airbnbs, guess what? All these restaurants are gonna go under because there's no one there to uh, frequent the restaurants. Yeah, no, it's a tough call. I mean, and we see it around here, right? We see the missing middle. Uh, affordability is a problem, but is it, it, how do you solve it? It's such a complex issue. Um, and I don't know how to solve it, to be honest. I don't think, you know, tearing down a house to put three three townhouses in that neighborhood is the answer, personally. Someone's been doing the Arlington Missing Middle. All right, so I, there. there's my opinion, right? I mean, like, I live in a neighborhood. I bought in that neighborhood, and I don't. I personally don't want three or four townhouses across the street from me. And, and is that solving the missing middle? I don't think so, because those townhouses are still going to be $1.2 million, right? I mean, yes, it's not a $2.2 million home, but... It's still a $1.2 million. Is that the middle here? I don't know. I mean, like. I mean, we could do a show about the missing middle. Yeah. Maybe we will once things get passed or things not get passed. Do you have a, a sign in your yard? I already regret asking. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Uh, but I've, I've seen the signs I've seen are in my neighborhood is do not support the missing middle. That's just what's yeah. in there. I mean, because it's a, it's a stable neighborhood with single family homes. That's right. all that's in there, right? right? And so. But, you know, if you go down, well, we'll West, talk about Westover has, West yes. has a lot of apartments. Uh, I mean, so. for those that don't know what we're talking about, Missing Middle, Arlington's initiative to upzone. Is, is it upzone or downzone? It's upzone up residential R6 neighborhoods, single family houses into duplexes, townhouses, with the thought that more supply will bring down prices and um, that will allow more people to buy and live into the community, the yeah. amazing community that we have. We're going to do research on this topic, and we're going to do a, a show on it. Um, just to it's going to be a very long show, it's it's very in depth. Oh, we'll, That'll be the only topic, honestly. Yeah, that's it's going to get some comments, some yeah. spicy comments. 
But, um, you know, going back to the article, Sedona paying landlord. I'd love to, like, maybe I'll, I, I'm in a couple of Airbnb groups. Maybe I'll see if there's anyone that has a, a place in Sedona that would be interested in this type of thing because guess what? Not every season is the high season. There's got to be a slow season. I don't know. Not the expert in Sedona, Arizona. I've never been to Arizona. Might have popped through the airport on my way to insert random city in the West. But if you're going to tell me that there's a slow season in Sedona, yeah, I'm going to sign up for $10,000 a month. And it depends on the market, right? I mean, like, hey, Gordonsville down in uh, Virginia, they're, they're going to start doing this too. And would Matt Layton take him up on this? Maybe if he wasn't getting a renter, he would, right? So, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's, it, it depends on so many different factors. Right. We'll have to do an episode on um, Matt buys an Airbnb. Ask me anything. Yeah. AMA. I agree. AMA style. All right, let's finish it out with our third topic. This comes to us from the New York Post. Broker's fee hits nearly $20,000 for rent-stabilized one-bedroom New York City apartment. Let me give you a lay of the land, a one-bedroom, initially advertised for $37.50, but the agent told prospective tenants that it was actually rent-stabilized and would be just $17.25, essentially your rent is going to stay the same throughout the term of the lease. However, there is a slight um, string attached that the broker fee would be $20,000 to rent the apartment. So whoever the tenant is that rents the apartment for $17.25, by the way, Manhattan average $41.50. So this is in Manhattan. $17.25 comes with a $20,000 fee. And the eventual tenant, I love it, they they negotiated the fee down to $19,500. They shaved $500 off of the fee, and they have the agent here smiling, looking off into the future. We've all taken headshots like that. I'm guilty of it. I know you are as well. Sean, what are your thoughts on a real estate broker charging a $20,000 commission for a tenant to lease, not this isn't a $50,000 a month place. This is a place for $17.25. Matt, when I first saw this article, I, lo I looked past it because I thought it was for a sale, right? I thought, oh, the average commission, you know, is 20,000. You know, I just randomly just went past it. Didn't know it was for a rental and a rental at, you know, $17.25, even if it was the $3,750 a month. Um, the normal in our area, just so you kind of get an idea, is that we charge one month's rent, and then we have to pay out 25 to 40% of that, to, or 50% of that to the buyer's, or the, the renter's agent, right? So we're not making much on a rental, and that's why we just don't do them. But New York City is a completely different animal, and the rents are so high, and there's, there's so many rentals that go on in there. I think, personally, you can charge what you want, uh, in certain areas, I would hate to be this guy and have this article on me personally. I, you know, I wouldn't have charged this, but you know, it's got to be in his listing agreement as well. So that that um, agent or that owner had to sign off on it. Um, but twenty thousand dollars is crazy. Now he took advantage of a situation, right? Normal rent thirty seven fifty, the rent controlled rent. 1700 right? So there's a $2,000 a month gap there. That's $2,400. So we're saying, all right, well, there's 2400 bucks there. I can still save that renter money if I charge a big commission, right? He's looking at the numbers and saying, I can charge 20 grand. They're still saving $4,500, $4,000 
a year if I get this this money, you know? And so that's probably what he looked at and took advantage of it. Um, I'm glad it's not me. Do you want to be the guy that games the system? Do you want to be the guy? And yeah, just because it's legal doesn't mean it. And he says, oh, well, if you do the math, you're still saving money. Yeah, well, but did you do the work for that $20,000? And that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, and well, I mean, it goes back to like, should agents be paid a percent? Like, is a $1,000 a month rental harder to sell or easier to, to rent than a, a $5,000 a month rental? And I think it is because there's not as many people that can afford a $5,000. Just like in a sales, you know, sometimes sellers come to me and it's like, well, what's the difference between you selling a $250,000 place and a $750,000 place? You should be paid the same amount. It's like, no, no, I shouldn't. Because the marketing dollars, the cost, all of the services that we provide are greater at that price point. Sure, you're gonna get the same level of customer service, but there's a much smaller buyer demand at higher prices. And the fact that people think that we should be paid the same amount, it, it just goes to show you that we are paid in proportion to the problems that we solve. Big problems, big money. Little problems, little money. Same thing with doctors, right? If they're just doing a, a regular practice, they're gonna get smaller money. If you're a heart doctor, brain surgeon, probably getting a little more money for that. That's a skill, right? So you solving see the luxury. problem. Yeah, you're solving big problems. And that's the thing is with real estate, it's the same exact thing. Um, did he solve a big problem? I don't think so. I, I, don't, I wouldn't have done this personally. I think uh, it's publicity for the wrong reasons, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, the, people are going to think that they're being taken advantage of. And that's what we don't want to happen. We want people to know what they're getting for our services. And, you know, one thing about New York City is, the funny thing is I was having, I helped my brother find a rental in New York City a few years ago. I wasn't his agent, I was just his brother who was an agent in Virginia, right? So, but the funny thing is, he ended up renting a place that, um, that I found like on Zillow or whatever website it was at the time. It wasn't Zillow, but it was something else. Street easy. Yeah, so it was something like that, right? So uh, the guy was like, yeah, the landlord's like, hey, just go down to the uh, restaurant down there. They're holding the key. I was like, okay. So I grabbed the key. We went up, saw the property, and that's the one he ended up renting. But we actually were with a, a, a rental agent for a while, and my brother was going to have to pay the first month's rent, say it was uh, $3,000 plus the um, deposit, another $3,000, plus pay the, the renter agent fee. Say that was another $2,000, right? So six, eight grand, you know, out of your pocket when you're, when you're renting just a, a, the, the bare minimum in New York City. Um, and that, uh, by reading this article, I learned that that went by the wayside for about a year. They started saying, hey, the landlord should pay these fees. And now that's all going full, full circle where the renter again pays those fees. Drop a comment down below if you would rent an apartment where you had to pay a $20,000 upfront fee, but you'd still save money after the, the term. Now this to me doesn't pass the smell test, mm -hmm. right? You look at it at face value and sure you can and say, oh, well, if you look at the 12 months and you're actually saving money, it's like, no, 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 no. You are clearly gaming the system and taking advantage of a loophole that should not be there. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have done it. But hey, you know, people need their money and they make their money the way they can. Um, I think it's going to be a detrimental thing in the future. I don't know.
We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know if he'll be able to keep. I, I think there's. I, I don't think this is the last we've heard of this story. Well, that's the thing is like people are like, oh, this this brings about suing, right? You know, you could sue for this. Did he earn this? Did, did he take advantage of you? You know, and that's another thing about a real estate agent is you know we have to treat everybody fairly. That's what we're supposed to do, right? You're not supposed to take advantage of a situation. Plus, there's something that you can't net lease, right? You can't net a commission and say, okay, anything above this I'm taking, right? So if I get you, uh, price it at 350 and I get 370, I'm taking all 20 grand above that, right? You can't do that. So I don't know, we'll see what happens. All right, guys, well, there you have it. Another episode of the Sean and Matt show in the books. Be sure to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't already, hit five stars on your favorite podcast player. And until next time, we'll see you then. Take care.